John. I'm Derek. I'm Mark. And you're listening to Interview Under Fire. All right, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new edition of Interview Under Fire. Your host, Sonny, here with Derek, John, and Mark. Quite the honor from Scour. You know, thank you guys so much for joining our podcast today in IUF. Adam Jarvis will be joining us later on. You know, aside from it being the holiday season, and apparently today is conjunction day, something about the stars lining up in the sky. I mean, this is an important yet exciting time of the year for you, you know, and the rest of the crew at Scour with the release of your third studio EP titled Black, which released this past November 27th on Housecore and Nuclear Blast Records. You know, first off, guys, I want to say congratulations on all the well-deserved recognition it's been getting so far. But before we get to that, I'm going to ask a very important question to start things off. And it's a very simple one, but I think it's an important one to ask, considering where we are at our lives at this point. How are you? <laughs> how's life for you guys, you know, wherever you guys are at? And how's, how's life been since our lives are pretty much have changed since March? Because I know you guys are in different places around the nation right now at this point. So however you guys want to take it off, John, uh, Derek, and Mark. Yeah, you know, we're just trying to get by, and I think uh, having the release of the Black EP has given us something to do, you know, and it's it's kept us all really busy. And, uh, you know, besides that, we've kept busy with our other bands, you know, and writing and doing special guests, quarantine videos with, you know, people. And so, you know, you just try to keep busy, man, and, you know, do the best you can. I know Derek has been working a lot. <laughs> Working too much, nonstop working, but uh, at least Scour has been a labor of love. And as John said, yeah, yeah we've been, it's eaten up a lot of our time and uh, taking, taking the heat away from the rest of the nonsense in the world for a while. So I think uh, it's actually a good time to release music right now. People are, are thirsty, you know? Yeah. Mark, you there, Mark? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, all the, you know, being stuck in your house, you know, it gives you a lot of time to, uh, and no excuses to get ahead on that, on writing. Um, you know, musicians are always uh, needing to make the music. So this is a great time to do that since you're not, you know, slaving down the road. You know, being away from the stage a lot as of late for all three of you guys, you know, how are y'all keeping up your, you know, instrumentations these days, like guitar playing, bass playing? I know Adam plays the drums, but... Has this affected your musicianship? Has anything changed for y'all routine-wise lately, if at all? Well, I've personally been playing more than ever. Uh, between doing, we've been, we were doing this Tasty Tuesday thing, the Scour Boys on Instagram, mm. where we just do little tasty licks. And uh, that took me back to some earlier riffs that I learned as a kid, you know, and just, just playing at least once a week is, you know, important. But I've been uh, jamming with another band once a week, too, and rehearsing uh some scour stuff so it's i've been playing more than ever so i don't know about you guys well i, I also shitting, man <laughs> is that it <laughs> derek you there <laughs> derek, derek just like that ah, you know what mark okay he mark just said something i'm gonna kick back here well what's up biggie you've been jamming or what yeah I, yeah i was just saying i've been I don't know if there's a lag here, but yeah, I've just been woodshedding, you know, shredding it up, trying to uh, get more proficient in my instrument here. And uh, what better time to do it than now? 
That's what I like to hear, Scarboy. Uh, I've been jamming um, in a different way. Um, you know, the Illegals had a lot of touring going on, and I had a, I played bass with them, so it took. It's actually it was a, a little break from just you know hammering the songs in, getting those as best as I could, um, but gearing up for something special with the Scarboys, uh, jamming, taking a lot of time. But I've also found that me personally, I've been jamming on like bass, guitar. I got the keyboard out. I've been kind of mixing it up. And like John said, with the Tasty Tuesdays, just having a blast with it and kind of just exploring this stuff that I haven't had time to do for a while. So it's been kind of nice. Was Tasty Stute, was that was that something that came up during the pandemic? Or did you guys have that something established before it all began? Oh, no, it was pandemic. It was, you know, and it, it gave some of the... Uh, people on the page you know a little recognition too because there's some guys that but they were doing it every week they you know they get all pumped and they make special videos and stuff so it was just you know something fun to do and you know between the four of you guys well five of you guys you know include phil in on this you know you've been at this for over over two to three decades and you know whether it's with scour misery index pig destroyer you know lock up phil and the illegals cast the stone cattle decapitation like the list goes on for all of you guys how was the touring life for each of you personally? Because you guys have done some extensive touring throughout your career, whether it's at Vakan or Rockstad or Hellfest, Brutal Assault, Maryland Death Fest. We're all kind of just taking like an unseen step back. And does it make you guys have kind of like a growing appreciation of the touring life? Because now, I mean, we're home. We're talking culture, the fans, even the food. There's just so many things to pick apart about the touring life. What makes it amazing? What was each of your biggest takeaway from that? Well, I mean, when the Scour Boys got together on any of those fests or tours, because we've done tours with our other bands, and I mean, of course. I just had a memory from ten years ago on on Facebook from uh, Mark and I were with uh, Job for a Cowboy Skeleton Witch on tour, you know. So we've been doing it, yeah, you know, for a long time, and so yeah, and we'd always we'd go out and find you know nice restaurants, and you know, I miss going out with the Scour Boys and having cocktails after the show and celebrating and. You know, but uh, like you said, all these different fests, you see different people like it's kind of like a, a reunion a lot of times because you only see these people at these shows. You know what I mean? Right. But you've seen them so many times and you've been on the road with them and you kind of become kind of like a family. So there's a lot of people I haven't seen. It felt like it feels like for years now. And, you know, and I think when we finally get back to touring, it's just going to it's going to pop off and be crazy. And, you know everyone's going to be on the road hopefully and it's going to be uh great what's funny about that john is um you know you mentioned like a lot of these uh conversations and things like happen on the road only like you have friends from on the road in these different places these different bands these promoters whatever and like uh since like pandemic hit like i found that some of these people i would never talk to online like we would it was like <laughs> exclusively like in person we'd see each other at a fest or something like that and now it's like i'm i'm doing i'm getting a lot more messages like from people like that and like you know interacting a little bit more so i don't know in that way it's been kind of like kind of positive um because i've been able to build some relationships that way like further some relationships that you know had been just like you know over in the beer tent <laughs> but right. uh, so it's that's been kind of cool but uh you know it doesn't 
you know, replace the, the drag of not being able to like, you know, go play some of these shows, of course. Right. Yeah. You guys are talking about senior homies. Like there was a time when I remember saying to my buddies in King Parrot, I was like, man, I see you guys more than I do my friends at home. You know what I'm saying? Cause they were on tour all the time and I would see them actually the last tour I did was with King Parrot in, uh, in Japan. Um, but it's just like anything else. Like, you're home for three weeks. You're like, oh, I want to get on the road. Then you get on the road for two weeks. You're like, oh, I just want to go home. You know, so it's just back and forth. I think everybody wants to get back at it. But after a month to a long tour, everybody like, <laughs> time to go home. You know, right? Yeah, you take it for granted now. But now that you can't do it, it's kind of like you know, it makes you want to do it even more. You know, it makes me definitely having done it. You know, you know uh, I was going to say, you know, a very popular topic on Interview on Our Fire, and you guys have seen it for the past, what is it? We're in like, what, seventh, eighth or ninth month of whatever this lockdown situation is. And you guys have seen it live streaming. A lot of the bands, what they do on stage are taking it onto the screen like we're doing right now. You know, Lamb of God did it. August Burns Red did it. I went to Metallica uh, a couple months ago uh, at the end of the summer. They did that live streaming for the, not live streaming, they pre-recorded a show and they streamed it for the fans. I think it was only done in North America. And I don't know if you guys knew about it. You know, Dallas, Texas sold out immediately. And luckily, a friend of mine had a ticket. I was like, okay, sure, I'll go. It made me miss the live experience even more. But as, as I'm talking about this, and you guys are reminiscing about the memories that you guys are have taken in throughout your career, you know, for each of you guys, the festivals that you've been on, the people that you met on the road, the amount of you know, experience you've taken in doing all these shows. I wanted to ask, do you think that the quarantine induced live streaming surge we're seeing right now from all these bands, is that going to affect the touring musician business going forward? Do you guys see bands doing this even after all this is over? Well, I mean, well, I mean you're going to follow the money, you know? Uh, yeah. So if there's in it, they're going to do it. I don't think it's like, it's not a replacement for live shows or anything. Like, I don't think that industry is going to go away and, and like the live streaming shows are going to take over or something like that. But it might be like, there might be more of that just in general, you know, where a band. You might maybe see bands that don't can't tour, you know, and you could see bands that say some older guys that don't want to get out and get into a tour bus. That really, hey, much be, much be a lot easier to just hit, go down the road and, do a live stream from your band practice spot. And, you know, so there, there's pros and cons to it for sure. Yeah. And, you know, there's no, there's no like right or wrong answer to this. Cause I was like asking this question, there's some artists who say, Oh yeah, I'm not doing shit until all this is over. And some artists would say, yeah, it's, I love to do live streaming. It still allows me to way for me to engage with my fans. I know what the tasty Tuesdays you're talking about, you know, that's right. I mean, yeah. I just talk like, about that aspect. Adapt, you know, you got to do, you can't just if you just say, hey, I'm not going to do this just because I mean, that's kind of like saying back in the 90s, I'm not going to put my music online because I don't know what's going to, you know, what would have what would happen, you know, and there's still bands that still get by, you know, I mean, like Garth Brooks doesn't Garth have his Brooks, songs yeah. on iTunes, you know, but, <laughs> you know, you got to adapt to the times if you want to stay alive. Yeah. Have you guys thought about doing any I know you guys are in, in separate places right now, but as far as like live streaming like has has that crossed your mind as engaging something like that at this point well yeah i mean but it's like we're so far from each other it would cost so much money to get together to do mm -hmm. it you know 
you got to try, you know, it comes, it's the demand. If it demands air, we'll do it, you know, but yeah, it's uh, a little more difficult for us because we're so spread out across the country you know, we all got to fly in and rehearse and, but yeah, if, if, if that's what we got to do, we got to do it. Derek, I know you are the owner of Bandit Press, which is a screen printing and merchandising distribution. I was going to ask, you know, and all of you guys can chime in on this. Need a quote? Is that what you're asking for? Yeah. What's that? No. <laughs> <laughs> you're already jumping the gun there, man. Quality I was going to ask, press. like, like, has this pandemic, like, now that we're all home, you know, we're where we are, has it opened up new things for you guys personally and artistically that you may have not noticed before about yourselves? Uh, well. Putting all on the spot, huh? This is... Um, a two-part question, I get two-part answer. One, yes, the Bandit Press um, is still rolling and bands are still needing merch. It's not like the touring season. Um, yeah. But, of course, if you need something, you know, quality prints, we got you covered. Plug that in, man. Uh, but um, for me personally, as far as artistic endeavors, I am actually putting together my tattoo studio equipment and I'm getting back in the game. Awesome. So I, I started it like uh, five years ago, tattooed my drummer a bunch and uh, I'm getting back into it and I'm getting the gear with a little holiday bonus. So for me, artistically look out on the road, if you guys want, you know, custom pentagram or something. Awesome. Go need to get some work done, D. I got you. I got you. <laughs> You know, uh, and I know this is this is a you guys you, a year that you guys did release that new EP. The third album, Black, came out November twenty seventh on Housecore Nuclear Blast, and this is the follow up to Gray and Red. And the new EP serves as the final installment of the trilogy. You know, Derek, you also said this was a more musical approach without comprising the utter relentless brutality. You know, when I heard this EP from the song Doom to Propaganda to Microbes to Subprime. You guys are known for the black metal oriented sound, but it was just filled with creepy and ominous hooks, dark mm. and macabre vocals, you know, and I got to give a shout out to Phil Anselmo. You're talking about from where he started off to where he is now, like the vocal quality and the progression that he's at at this point in his career. Shout out to him and blasting drums from, you know, Adam. He's not here right now, but, you know, I'm no surprise there. The buzzsaw guitars from yours truly. You know, again, I'm lucky to still have a head that's upright talking to you guys right now. And listening to Black, it was just so much of twisting of the DNA of what is Black metal. And along with Phil and Adam, you know, how much did things change from when you guys first started composing on this album to where you ended up finishing it? Did a lot change in between? Did nothing change in between? Was there already a specific sound you guys knew you wanted with Black? Yeah. Uh, sorry. I know. I my. <laughs> like, what do you want to get that? <laughs> You're good. Work, work won't leave me alone. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yes. I, Scour has a good phrase we always call stick to the plan. Um, so... We, I mean, it was discussed kind of like what Scour's vision was originally, you know, stripped down straight to the point. Um, but I think as we grow, it's 
it's always going to sound scour and keep those fierce moments, but it's going to expand a little bit. Like we've never, ever wanted to be a black metal band. We're not going to wear like bullet belts and corpse paint. Yeah. Tapes and shit. You could, like but yeah. <laughs> we could, but I don't think Phil would get on stage with us. But um, so we kind of can do whatever we want, you know, as long as it's, it's extreme and scour and it's not going to be completely different. But I think moving forward with the full length, it's going to be a little more expanded. Um, there's going to be probably some death metal elements. There's going to be some soundscape elements. Um, it's definitely going to expand, but it's definitely going to be scour. And from the first track to the last track, there's going to be no doubt in your mind. It's a scour record. You know what I mean? Yeah. John Mark, you want to add to that? Well, D writes the hits, but uh, from what I <laughs> from what I can gauge, uh, it's sort of like this minimalist approach. And uh, as he says, stick to the plan. Um, if there's anything added, uh, it's done very carefully. And, and um, I, I don't know. I don't know really how, how much how to describe it. Um, for me, it's like I get what you're saying with the creepy vibe and the and those yeah. and the uh, malevolent hooks in there. Um, I I personally like the uh, the two like the almost like a three guitar part kind of thing going on where it has the melody line over the top that's all delayed out and then um, you know you have one trim pick guitar on the lower end of things and another trim pick guitar on the higher end of things. It makes this big atmosphere with uh, with with not a lot, you know. Yeah. But on a on a stereo recording, it ends up just sounding like this huge wall of sound, and um, yeah, I've really appreciated that about uh, about the music. I Thank throw in you. a couple of the changes or differences, at least, would be we've added Mark's backing vocals on the Black EP, yeah. and also Derek when he was writing it, he knew he had Adam in tow. So this was, I think, the first writing process where he's like, he knew he could bump up the BPMs to where Adam can uh, blast a little faster. So uh, adding Mark, and so we got uh, three backing vocalists on each song. Well, we got and a guest, of course, Jason Momoa. Of course. But there's uh, and that added low end of Mark's voice really beefed up the Black EP, I think. And in the future, I, I expect more backing vocals yeah right on. mark i gotta well, say it, it, I, I, was gonna, I was gonna say every time mark talks you look like an angel like with that light above your head like looks like a halo sorry I, 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 I to, <laughs> it's like filling up my screen i'm like huh i need to spell like a screen. now <laughs> screenshot mark <laughs> on that now did you guys finish black before this whole pandemic like even came in existence or was it something that was like i don't know like how did that come yes about? yes absolutely well, the music was recorded a couple years ago, and Phil took some oh, wow. time to to write the lyrics and uh, record them. But uh, it, it was kind of creepy because a lot of the songs, if you read the lyric or if you read the lyrics, you would say or think that for, he wrote them during a pandemic. But it was uh, all done beforehand. And you know, listening to that sound and Misery Index is one of my favorite bands of all time. Like I. Like the, when I first heard you guys, like God, in the early 2000s, it blew my fucking mind still to this day. Um, but I want to throw two names at you, you know, uh, audio engineer Ryan Vincent and Stephen Berrigan. 
you know, it was mixed and mastered by Ryan. He's known for his work with, of course, Misery Index, Navalra. He's worked with New Noise Magazine, Decibel, and it, vocals and drums were engineered by Steven. And he's known for his work with Down, Phil and Soma and the Legals, I Hate God. You know, having said that, did it give you guys a sense of comfortability in the studio knowing that you were working with them on this record? Definitely. Um, Brian Loopy, we call him. <laughs> uh, we've known him for 20 years. I mean, the guy, when Cast of Stone was first starting out, we would play shows with Omicron, his band. There was like Origin Meets Cryptopsy, just like brutality. And I played bass for him for a little bit, but uh yeah he's he's done a bunch of tattoos on me and stuff and so we've known him forever and we know that he knows his shit and mark actually spent a lot of time with loopy uh, in the editing process and so i trust those dudes up and down so um maybe mark can elaborate a little bit more about working with uh the loop man yeah, Luke Man's awesome. Like they said, we know him for many years, and uh, uh, like my personal experience. Uh, what's that? I think Adam's joining in. Oh, here we go. Uh, we got the whole crew. What I miss? You're sideways. <laughs> oh, do a switcheroo. There you go. There it is. All right, what's yeah, up, Adam? Adam doesn't step in. Oh, hey. <laughs> Look at that uh, Misery Index beanie there. That thing's sick. We were just talking about MI, actually. Huh? Yeah. Hey, Adam, look at uh, look at Mark. Doesn't he look like an angel? I was telling him earlier as he was talking, like that halo over his head. <laughs> I don't see Mark. You got to say something. Here, oh, let me get all oh he's got it. Okay, you have to talk. That way he'll come up on the... Hello, Adam. Yeah, <laughs> hey, there he is. Nice face. <laughs> I haven't seen that face in a while. Are you in the practice space right now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You just got done blasting? No, I was driving. I didn't want to zoom and drive. That's uh... Uh, Well, you better get off this call and keep blasting, buddy. Yeah, I better start <laughs> yeah. blasting. Dude, so. <laughs> you can blast right now. There's them drums. There you go. John! What's up? How's it going? Doing Sorry, good. Mark. Yeah. You, got, you got interrupted there, man. <laughs> yeah, Mark, Mark, Mark was talking, and then Adam came in. Are we talking about Luby? Yeah. Yeah. I moved, when I, when I moved back from Baltimore to Missouri, uh, I needed a, I needed to be able to, you know, uh, record guitar tracks and vocal tracks and have them be, uh, good. And, um, I, I went over to Ryan's home studio and, um, just tried them out on some things, um, some minor stuff. Like the first thing we did was we worked on the, um, uh, what Misery Index did for Decibel Magazine, the uh, the Sepultura cover, uh, Primitive Future for the Flexi. And um, he's, his responsibilities are just to get my vocals and um, and basically cut some guitar DIs, do some reamps. And, um, and he did that on a professional level. And so um, for the next few things that we did, including like the last Misery Index album, I worked with him. And so, you know, when when uh, the scour boys were looking for a mixed master guy for this, I mentioned that maybe we should uh, try out the loop man. And, um, and so we did, and we did a bunch of like, you know, like, like D said, we, I was sitting there um, doing some editing work with him and then we reviewed some mixes and stuff. And 
it was sore. It was, it wasn't really that painful of a process. And I think you like really got the mix down. I mean, it was, it sounds good. So it yeah. just kind of worked out. I mean, that's what I heard. Um, Adam, man, thanks for joining us, man. I know you're joined late. We were talking about, um, well, Mark was just talking about Loopy. I was going to ask you about Steven Berrigan because I know he engineered the drums on the new Scour record. Is that correct? Yeah. What was it like? Yeah. He did the red EP and the black EP. Um, He's pretty much Phil's go-to guy. Um, He's the main engineer at the uh, Nosferatu's Lair. So he's done everything from down to in minor and nice King parrot. Uh, I think child bites even recorded there. Like basically if you've recorded at the lair, it's been Steve Berrigan, big fella. And I'm going to throw a couple more names out at you guys. And we mentioned it briefly at the beginning of this interview, you know, Eric Rutan of hate eternal Pat O'Brien from cannibal corpse. And of course, Jason Momoa, Dune, game of Thrones, Aquaman, whatever you want to name that he's done, you know, never heard of us. <laughs> What was that experience like, you know, bringing in, you know, outside professional artists in their respective fields into your world of making music? You know, did it make the process easier knowing that they were present? Um, who wants to answer that? Well, y'all take let's turns. We could do it that way. This is this is the most most I've had, like during interviews. So, right. <laughs> so we needed some shredded lead players and. And when you think about shredding leads, the Campbell Corpse guys always come to mind. And uh, Rob Barrett, he was there when Scour was doing our demos. We were on tour with Campbell Corpse. So we're friends with all those guys. And uh, Uncle P.O.B., Pat O'Brien, did a great – he asked, he was like, what kind of solo do you want, man? Do you want a Slayer-like solo? I said, sure, do whatever it takes, you know. And he just came back with this a shredding solo. And same with Rutan. Uh who's now playing with Campbell Corpse. Uh, He did an amazing job. I think Derek said it was his favorite solo of all time. Might be my favorite solo I've ever heard. I'm not just saying that. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, we're honored to have these guys. Um, You know, we've all toured with them and uh, known these guys for 10 plus years. And just to even have them on a scour song i know a little baby it's pretty pretty magical and uh quite the honor you know and uh what about jason momoa this guy that everyone keeps talking about what was it like working there's a big baywatch fan so <laughs> like whose <laughs> idea whose idea was it like how did it did you guys know anybody knew jason beforehand somebody reached out to him like hey you there wanna... yeah that's all derek there yeah that's my that's my homie uh big jason and yes, he was on Baywatch. So if you're watching on Pluto TV, the free app, Baywatch will see him pop up once in a while. Um, short hair, so you got to kind of look at him, you know, but uh, make sure it's him. But yeah, he came out to the Slayers final show when Phil and some of the illegals were opening up. And uh, he came backstage and met everybody. And I was just like, hey, man, you got to come up and sing Walk With Us, you know, and He's like, oh, maybe, no, no. And I was like, come on, get up there. And uh, we didn't actually play Walk that night, but we played uh, This Love. And he got up there and sang it with us. He brought his kids up on stage and everything. Dang. He's up there with Mike Daly on, thrashing around, sharing the mic. I was so sick. But um, after the show, we were up in like the little catering area. And uh, I just started talking to him for a bit. And he's just like, hey, I get my number down. And 
we talked a little bit here and there. And um, when we were kind of getting the final touches of our backing vocals done, uh, Jarvan and I like, were, were thinking about the end of Doom and we we're like, man, it really needs something special. And we we're like, should we just scream it out at the end, hold it out? And we were like, let's get somebody, maybe we should get a guest. And then his name popped up. So I asked him, uh, you know, if he was down and like, within like a minute he hit me back was like fuck yeah so like you're in and uh he's been a such a homie he shared it from like his pages and stuff and we got like hundreds of thousands of views on our doom little visualizer that we had um so big props to him for helping us out there but he was stoked i mean to do a little duet with like one of his heroes you know if you want if you follow him stuff you'll see him like skateboarding or like rock climbing and he's always got pantera jamming in the background and uh He's just a metalhead, you know, he's just a homie. So it was just really cool to have all the guests on the on the EP, actually. Have you had a chance to look at the uh, comments on that Doom video? I mean, it's the commonality in those comments is if Jason's voice sounds like this, he needs to be an original member from Scour. I don't know if you've seen that. It's just I'm going through the comments. I'm like, oh, my God. Of course, I was blown away by it. But I don't know how you feel like, hey, Jason, take a look at the comments like. I don't know. This is something that could set up a collaboration for a full length for you guys going forward. Well, none of us read the comments. So uh, (laughs) that's a good thing, actually. (laughs) No, I don't know. If he wants to come up and sing his stuff live, he's he's welcome anytime. But you know, hey, if he wants to throw down some more Vox, you know, let me know. You know, uh, and and I mentioned this before. This new EP serves as the final installment of the EP trilogy: gray, red, and now black. this gets to me as I'm talking about it to what level do you guys like to have a theme for your records that how important are themes to you is that more about helping you guys write or sound or is that more for the audience because a lot of artists they don't really care about themes they just do 10 songs in the studio and that's it but I felt like with the way you guys have uh went on this path with scour and which is I think is brilliant I mean was was there something like that a theme that you guys wanted to aim for when you released this record well, the color theme was an idea off the bat, but really all the lyrics, it's all Phil writing those. So, uh, and okay. if you read them, they're kind of all over the place. But so I don't know, I don't know if there, he has a real uh, theme going through any of the records, but uh, the color theme was always there. And this, the idea of having uh, three pieces with six tracks each for six, 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 that was an idea early on that we, uh, we ended up doing in the end. But yeah, I think lyrically, Phil uh, is kind of all over the place. I don't know if he's uh, doing any sort of uh, concept albums or anything, but hey, maybe in the future, you never know. Anybody else want to add to that? Because um, if anybody else wants to add to that, because I was, I was going to ask, as you're talking about all these other collaborations you guys have with these artists, and you've known all these artists for years, does this feel like a super group to you? Is it fair to call yourselves that at this point? I mean, we're all a group of super guys. (laughs) Uh, Jumping back real quick, and then I'll let uh, I'll let the boys take over the next question. But uh, there is a few things like conceptually, like me and our our artists um, spend a lot of time on just like little details in the artwork, which most people just look at. They're like, oh, gray, you know, whatever, red. But there's a lot of stuff actually in there 
that are conceptual, like the last track, Subprime, third record of the, you know, the trilogy. The song stops exactly at three minutes, 33 seconds, 0.33. And um, you'll find little things throughout the artwork and like, just like the numbers of that are registered. The first one is, the gray is HC0666. We just stole that number. You know, we're like, obviously this is gonna be our catalog number. The red was HC0999, in case you flip it upside down, keep it brutal. And then the last record, the third one is HC0333. So um, there's tons of like things like that in there, like little Easter eggs um, throughout the whole thing if you really dive into it. But um, I'll let uh, the boys talk about how super we are. <laughs> 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 I feel like Mark was gonna say something, and then and then uh, Derek came in. I don't know. I'd like to. I just think you know we're all in some known bands, and um, you know, and uh, obviously Anselmo is involved. But I would say it's like some uh, you know, and it, that's not the intention. It's not the intention is not yeah. to be a group. It's really just just the best guys for the job for this project. Yeah, it's a term that gets loosely thrown around, like, uh, you know, in the underground, like, okay, you could talk about kill or be killed. That's that's one of them, you know, and they've been with, you know, Max and Troy. They've been with many other bands, but you guys have too. You guys have taken in a lot of experience throughout your career, you know, releasing an EP like Black and gearing up for 2021. Do you see this EP as like a snapshot of where you guys are at a certain time in your life looking back? Um, I would say, I guess you can see like where we are, like in our progression, I guess, but Scour's always try to just focus on writing like timeless music, if you will, <laughs> you know, we hope to be so that it's, it'll just stand up for the test of time. You know, I would say that, you know, moving forward, this, these EPs were kind of geared in a way to almost demo the band. Cause we're still a brand new band, even with Phil and Summo at the helm, we're, there's a lot of people having don't even know we exist. So moving forward with the full length, we've got plans um, kind of laid out already of how it's going to progress, but it's all stick to the plan. Original ideas. Don't overthink it. You know, are you guys writing new material right now? Is that something you can't say or cannot say? Yes. And it's okay. fucking ripping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like chuckling. Oh, boys, still got it. Sorry, Adam. Finally, <laughs> yeah. start practicing, Adam. Hey, I wanted, to, I wanted to add. Uh, I wanted to add in there. Uh, we we do get that killer be killed comparison a lot. I noticed. I uh, have, uh, yeah, and I asked that because I have heard that from the fans themselves. They actually keep bringing that yeah. in. I was like, I was like, I mean, I don't know. That's why I was asking. How do you guys perceive yourself? Just, and that you've you've answered it is just you know bunch of yeah, guys getting together those, making great music those two groups these two uh, our group and their group are very different yeah. um because that that did start out as more of like a, a a super group and you know they've gone out in the press um you know on purpose to say oh no this feels more like a band this feels more like a band so they can get away from that and i think like um on this last record they did a really good job actually of blending 
all their styles together into like these really like uh, nice, uh, catchy, cohesive songs, you know, and that definitely is what that is. It's, that is a blend of personalities uh, as, as a song. And it's, and it's surprising that it's that cohesive, you know, and we are completely different. And this in over here, like Derek writes the hits and Selmo writes the vocals and we just do what we're told <laughs> and try to yeah. execute things uh to the plan as they say we stick to the plan and so um you know it's just it's a very different environment we're we're not trying to have like a conglomeration of 100 different personalities we're trying to do one singular focused thing and we're all understand that and and uh see the value in it and are committed to it so it's in that way it's very different from uh from that other project you know, between Scour and Misery Index, Cattle Decapitation, Cast a Stone, Pig Destroyer, Fulgora, you know, Asthma Castle, Lock Up, I could go on forever. Like the list goes on forever for you guys. <laughs> and uh, Adam, I know you've been drumming since 1991. And, and and I've been talking about each of you guys, you know, career, you know, Derek, you've been performing over 1000 shows over 30 countries, and you've had your own creations and through various projects over the years, Mark, John, all of you guys together. What's the most rewarding part for someone like yourselves, who's who is now at the at this point in your careers, at the same time, has been involved with so many other different aforementioned talented bands, artists, individuals throughout that entire timeline throughout yourselves. Did all that play like helping you guys grow as an artist, like together as a band, as supposedly? Yeah, I mean, it all, you know, goes back to just the uh camaraderie of the metal scene and bands that you tour with like those relationships don't go away you know and it's like you know once you tour with napalm death your family with napalm death once you tour with cannibal corpse your family with cannibal corpse and you know who knows what can come of that you know and it's it's a very unique thing in the metal scene to like you know i guess in the case with scour you know it all kind of you know, we got introduced to Phil, I guess, back in me and John met him back in uh, 2013 when he wanted to sign Fulgora. And it's like, look what happened just from that. You know, it's just like one little thing can lead to something you don't even like see coming down the road, you know, in, you know, two years, five years, maybe even 10 years, whatever. And all of a sudden, like, you're getting a phone call from somebody to jam and you're like, you know, let's do it. And, you know, it's, it's always an honor to be, you know, involved with so many amazing musicians and, you know. I guess, uh, yeah. If you call it a super group or whatever you want, you know. But I don't, yeah, I, I don't even want to call it a super group. Just call yourselves whatever the fuck y'all want. Yeah, I mean, point, at, it's at not the even end of the day, group. we're all you know friends and family. Yeah. Of course, me and John are cousins, and it's just like you know, you're just creating some badass memories and badass songs, and you know, go have some fun and rip it. You know. Yeah. Anybody else want to add to that? Yeah, yeah. rip it. <laughs> rip it <laughs> rip it good that's gonna be the title of this interview just rip it rip it good <laughs> well one thing I, I would add um, <clears throat> Scour you know the Scour boys you know Mark and I were jamming Cast of Stone back in 2000 2001 we were playing shows with All Will Fall with the Jarvi so, I mean, we've known each other forever and it's kind of like if you people want to call us a super group, that's 
I say that's pretty awesome to hear because it's really just the same dudes I've known forever <laughs> that, you know, it's like, oh, those are the St. Louis crew, you know, who are we going to get to be in Scour? Obviously, we're going to get our homies. And if people are like, oh, a super group is formed, you're like, well, I guess that, you know, says a lot of what we've done for ourselves, I guess, in the last 15 years. But, you know, it's pretty cool. But yeah. for us, it's just the same old crew, you know, that we see each other in the holidays and go to the creepy crawl and shit like that, you know. Adam, I know you joined late, uh, but before you before you joined, we were talking about how the touring life was for you guys, because, you know, you've done some extensive touring throughout your career. I was going to wait till you till you actually joined. So I was going to ask, like, do you guys have any? I don't know. We're we're a long way removed from the whole live experience. We're in a December for crying out loud. I think Adam just bounced off here. I don't know if you yeah, guys. sorry. I, I keep being blown up with texts and phone calls right now. You're an important guy. That's that's yeah. what that is. <laughs> I was gonna ask. I was gonna ask, like, do you guys have any like just tour stories you guys can just shoot the shit about that you maybe haven't had the chance to already? Oh, Mark's got something. <laughs> right, let's talk about um discreet in Europe. No, oh, <laughs> let's boy. not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Because you guys are on like different places at once. I don't know if you guys had a chance to like just get together on like just something, you know, as as far as just just not maybe just getting away from the music side, just talking about like what you miss the most about touring, so to speak. I can think of one story with uh, Mark and Adam involved. We were somewhere on the West Coast up north and the shows in some church and we were going to go down to this creek and go swimming. It was, the, it was with Origin and Abysmal Dawn. And anyway, we, Mark and I go out in the middle. We're in the middle of this lake, and each and the water's flowing, and it's kind of a, a pretty steep drop to where we got to go. Like, we can't go left or right. We can't go back. We got to go down this drop. And we're kind of standing there waiting to see who's going to do it first, you know. It was kind of like, because we don't know what's down there. It was, could have been sharp rocks, you know we're going to get pretty fucked up if we uh, go down into these rocks. And I remember looking up and I saw two vultures circling around us that it's like, Oh my God, like they think we're going to die too. And it was kind of a scary moment. But what was scary was when Paul Ryan showed up, he's like, what are you guys doing? You guys are on, supposed to be on stage right now. And I guess because a lot of the local bands didn't show up and uh, misery index was supposed to be playing and we're out in the middle of a lake, you know, swimming and shit. But that's one I could think of. When I thought we were going to die on the middle of a lake once. Jesus. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> I haven't heard anything from anyone else. <laughs> oh, that's not funny that, about being uh, late. I was uh, on the summer slaughter tour once with cattle. And uh, I mean, we had a short window of time. We were on, I think we were in Florida. And me and the uh, guitar player, Thy Art is Murder, were like, let's go surfing. We're like, all right, fuck yeah. So we went and we got these boards. The guy hooked them up for free because he's like, just, you know, he was down with metal or whatever. I think we got him on the guest list to go catch like the rest of the set. But Are you talking about Andy? Is it Andy from Thy Art? No, it was their old guitar Bass player. Oh, okay, okay. Bass player. Okay, okay. But um, I'm friends with all those guys, all their homies, my queese, my queesers. Um, but yeah, same thing. We, we got out of the water and we thought we had like two hours and then my singers blowing me up like, where are you guys at? We're on stage in 10 minutes. And I was like, you know, in my trunks with like a surfboard, you know, 
So we had to fly back and I just literally just threw on my shit and jumped on stage all salty and nasty, like back when I had long hair. But uh, close call, if you will. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. <laughs> Adam, uh, Mark, I know uh, you guys. Come on. Misery and his boys. Let's go. There's too many to even think of. I mean, it's like, I mean, I'm trying to solo out one right now, and it's it's freaking insane. But um, I remember me and Mark uh, drinking a bunch of Belgian beer one time, and um, we showed up late. And it's kind of a similar thing where it was like a matinee show, and we didn't know about it. And we're like in Belgium. We're like, oh, yeah, let's go just have a couple beers, which we never do before a show, but we were <laughs> in Belgium. And uh, we get back, and it's like, yo, uh, you guys are on and like, uh, now. And we're like, I was planning on taking a nap, going to get something to eat, sobering up, but no. And we played and it was, I remember Mark like being infuriated with the monitor guy and like yelling at him, like, what the fuck? Yeah. More stupid shit happened that night, but uh, we won't go there. Hmm. Yeah. He was there. I believe, I believe despite all that, uh, before going on stage, uh, me and D were doing, did a little top to bottom. <laughs> bottom. But to start things off. There's a few things about that night I think could be told. Uh, There's a few like, things. Hey, this is the last interview of the year, so you guys want to finish off with a bang, so please do so. All I know is that we were doing shirts off arm wrestling at the bar with, like, James <laughs> Lee of Origin, and it was just like, it was all chaos. I was bartending at one point in the night. Um yeah, I don't know much, much <laughs> else about what happened. I think it all got a little fuzzy, but I just that was one of the most out of control tours of all time. What was it, 2000, February 2007, I think, or something? Something like yeah. that. Necrophagist, Misery Index, oh my Origin. Gosh, necrophagist, that takes me back. Discreet. Discreet. Yeah. What, what was the uh, newest record for Misery at that time? 2007. Discor uh, Discordia. Okay, that that was before because Aristotle. No, sorry, Aristotle Theory came out twenty ten. Yeah, yeah, that was right before I guess Traders came out. So yeah, because yeah, it, it was was it Traders and then uh, Airs, right? Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, for the Misery Boys, you know, uh, what was your favorite record to work on? Now that I have you guys. Oh, uh, Airs to Thievery, I think like. I think we like really honed in on um, our songwriting um, in a, on a, in a conscious way, like, uh, you know, Discordia, we were still trying to figure out what we were doing in traders. We like, Oh, we can write cool songs. And like, we, we kind of figured it out how to write uh, original, like really cool original songs together. And then, so by heirs to thievery, we were taking that to a whole other ball game. And um, really, like, we spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours in pre-production just, like, getting every single tiny little thing the way we, we wanted it. And uh, it was that was a really pivotal sort of album because um, for albums after that, there's a lot of that, like, stuff that we work through um, that we just have now ingrained in ourselves, you know? So now when I'm coming up with riffs for that, for, for uh, basically Adam, you know, I have, I kind of have an idea of what he's looking for and what he's going to, I can play to his strengths and then he can like make that 
you know, in the same way going the other way. And then we kind of have an idea of what kind of details that we're going to going to work out. Like we're, we're several steps down, just starting off on certain ideas and things like that. But it started, uh, it definitely started on the airs to thievery, putting those hundreds of hours together on yeah. pre-production. You have a favorite song you like to play live specifically? We have several favorite songs we like to play live, I think. Um, and we do. <laughs> <laughs> we do play them. Um, carry on calls. Illuminati. Illuminati's killer one. You know, yeah. I remember when I first heard the uh, intro to Sleeping Giant, uh, Sleeping Giants, Jesus, motherfucking Christ, like Adam. Um, and when I say, like, you know, I'll, the first thing you know, when John joined this uh, call, I was like, oh, hey, where's, where's your, uh, where's the other family member? Because Adam, I'm going to ask you about that song. Like, how did that even like come to the surface? Like, when it came to like just writing something, something like that, so complex. Do you push yourself when it comes to writing? You know playing drums like okay this will actually be make me become a better drummer same thing for the each of you guys like do you guys ever write anything that's so far advanced where i don't even know if i can do this again you know you know mark you know derek John, no, was, you know as far as like right. writing music on heroes to thievery that was that was uh definitely true we were like pushing the boundary for sure and um you know moving forward we we still do that um to an extent where you like, you just push it past where, you know, you're going to have to build, you know, build up. But I think, you know, that's, that's true for scour too, man. Like, you know, it's, it's writing like a little bit, a little bit ahead of like what is comfortable, you know? And I feel like that sort of like uh, anxiety and anticipation kind of vibe where it's just pushing forward. Like it's, it's uh you know that that's captured in the live performance too because because of that approach where you're just you know like for scour for example i mean you are just you know for an hour-long set man you are just you are trend picking for an hour and adam is blasting at 200 bpm for an you know so it's like that's some serious big boy stuff going on there <laughs> you know so you got you have you have to have practiced a lot not not because it's exactly the most technical material or whatever, but just because it requires, uh, it, it just, uh, it requires that level of stamina that you can only get from repetition. Yeah. And playing this stuff, like you got to basically, you know, especially being the drummer, you got to treat yourself as like, you're like a professional athlete at a certain point, you know, you can't, you know, slack and not play for say like even two weeks i'll notice a huge difference so you know i've been you know this is obviously i'm in my practice space so i've been up here a lot lately just blasting with force and you know it's kind of a blessing in disguise in a way because you know it it keeps me in shape and you know makes me you know push the boundaries as you were saying you know like trying stuff new always like trying to just become a better player and a better drummer and better musician and what have you you know yeah with each release you know you don't want to you don't want to outdo yourself too much but you want there's a there's a fine line you know yeah. like it's like here's that threshold you, you push it like right about here and you're like ah, okay back down to here <laughs> you know yeah yeah uh, you know, Derek, I know you were with Cattle Decapitation. I don't know if you had, you know, same answer, you know, as far as what they were saying about their experience with Misery Index. I mean, as far as Cattle Decapitation, you guys have really put yourself on the map. And I know you guys aren't playing shows anymore, obviously, but have, I mean, 
do you have a favorite album that you've done specifically? I mean, it doesn't have to be with Cal. It could be with any other artist that you've collaborated with, you know, John for you as well. Just like anything that just stands out from the top of your head. Like, okay, I really, we're, we're stepping away from Scour. Cause I want to ask like you individually, like what? what, what record, what record did you love the most that you loved um, doing? Well, for cattle, I was just on the two records, Monolith of Inhumanity and uh, Anthropocene Extinction. And I think, I think those are the two fan favorites. I mean, honestly, you got, um, I think Monolith is probably like, you know, when we were firing on all cylinders, Anthropocene was a little more refined, uh, a little darker, I guess. But as far as like my bass work, extremely stoked on the bass tone um, on Anthropocene, Monolith too. But Anthropocene uh, spent a lot of time with Dave Otero battling it out. Um, but I, at the end of the day, really pleased. And I was really stoked on the bass tone with Cast of Stones EP that we released. That was mixed and mastered by the legend Dan Swano. So it was a pleasure to work with him as well. Big hero of all of ours. And um, the bass is super crushing. Maybe a little too crushing. Sorry, Mark. On that one, but um, I can't could have used a little bit more guitars, just but balance. But yeah, um, there's a couple of things like I guess moving back to the cattle record, like the song Monolith, the instrumental, and leading into the final track, Kingdom of Tyrants. Um, I was probably the predominant songwriter for those two, and a lot of stuff on those records, but those two songs mainly. And it's kind of a precursor to what uh, some scours doing, like where we take, say, microbes into uh, subprime. It's the same like instrumental with the main theme fleshed out, different take that leads into perfectly into you know the next song. So those two are a highlight, um, and uh, another highlight: forced gender reassignment. I was you know the wrote the main riff in that. And uh, when you see the forced gender Disney version on YouTube, you know you've made it. So I highly recommend you guys check that out if you want a nice chuckle. All right, I'll have to put that in mind. Um, you know, before we before we leave here, I wanna I know we're running out of time, and we've been already at this for an hour. You know, we were talking about earlier how you guys kind of had that, and it's perceived by most of the listeners like you guys have that black metal sound, but you kind of have your own twist to it. Is it, do you guys feel like that's a unique take you're taking on as well? Because usually the black metal sound we hear from, you know, in Europe and Poland and Norway, they have that sound. That's where it was established. But does it feel like you guys are finally taking on your own persona of what black metal is here in the States? Of course, you can't, you don't go on stage with like corpse paint and whatever you, you dress up as black metal, whatever the tradition is. is. Does it feel like you guys have taken on their own persona of yourselves at this point? Well, I've, I have heard american black metal being described for scour i don't know if that works but uh like derek mentioned before we don't really strive to be the a black metal band and <clears throat> phil's vocals i think mixes it up a lot and even all of our own backing vocals yeah and little flavor but uh yeah i don't know if derek can probably take a stab at this one yeah i i do think we've got our own sound going on i've seen it out there people talking about it um 
don't want to be a black metal band, but the two best parts about black metal to me are the buzzsaw guitars and the ripping blasts. So if that's black metal, then I'm guilty, I guess. But we are going to be... It's Scour. That's what that is. Yes. I think one thing Scour is that, you know, Mark was talking about, it's always got that eerie siren, creepy, you know, just kind of like weird vibe going on. Very like soundtrack influence, you know, James Murphy that it, where it just keeps building and more like keeps you tense. I think that adds a lot to the scour sound and I would expect to hear lots more of it because it sounds fucking awesome. Yeah. And I, I look very forward to that. And whatever. Go ahead. Well, very theatrical with like just a few instruments involved, you know, which is cool. Yeah. And, I mean, and you know, Derek writes the hits here, but uh, my interpretation of it is like, it's almost like, you know, just for black metal in particular or black metal infused sort of music, you know, the Demu Borgears of the world and, you know, think like things like that. You don't really think of like, for example, Demu, you don't think that that's not really a black metal band to you. You know, it's like more, it's something else. And, um, you know, whatever that is, it's not like it's almost borderline, like symphonic, you know, kind of like what septic flesh is doing that type of stuff. But, you know, um, it just seems to me that, what Scour is kind of doing is going all the way back to Bathory and modernizing from there and just skipping over all the strange twists and turns and reiterations and, and co-opting and uh, borrowing. And it's just going all the way back to there and making that uh, in a, in a more like theatrical sounding, um, but still minimalist uh, modern approach. You guys did a cover of Bathory. Is that true? That's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, Matt, I need to heal that, actually. I, I knew about it. I did not actually hear it. So I'm going to have to look that up. But, man, before we go, you know, you guys have any, like, this has been great. Like, um, obviously, I was telling John, you know, we would do these in person. But um, you guys have any, like, last, like, shout outs, like, anything you want to plug, anything you want to mention to the fans who are listening about Scour going forward into 2021? Yeah, just uh, be ready for a special surprise early in the year from the Scour Boys. Been working on and uh, pick up that trilogy, you know, the red, the gray, and the black. And everyone who's listening, this is the Scour Boys. I'm going to say Scour Boys, you know, minus Phil. Hopefully, I mean, I wish he was on this as well. That would be the perfect way to end this. You know, the black EP is out now, came out November 27th on House Core Nuclear Blast Records. You guys, thank you so much. You guys, uh, be safe. Have a great holidays. Have a great new year. Uh, we'll stay in touch, and hopefully we can do this again in person sooner than later. I'll catch you guys later, man. Thanks awesome. for having us. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Interview Under Fire podcast. If you guys liked what you heard, please subscribe and share our channel. And please leave a five-star review as that helps us tremendously. And also, if you guys have any questions or comments, you can find us at Interview Under Fire at Facebook or at Instagram. Or you can write us directly at schwag at interviewunderfire.com. That's S-C-H-W-A-G at interviewunderfire.com. Or Rezablade. That's R-E-Z-A-B-L-A-D-E at interviewunderfire.com.
fire.